Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. Man, God is good. What Amy didn't tell you about that praise report earlier is that all the tumors are actually shrinking. Even the ones that the doctor said they wouldn't shrink. They're like, these are not going to change. Well, they're shrinking, and they're changing. Yeah, Talk about, like, when the church prays. When the church prays, man. If you're going through a situation, and you're like, I just my prayers aren't going anywhere. God's working, whether you can see it or not. God is so intentional about this. Even when God is not doing something, he's doing something. Because God wastes nothing. Think about that. When God... It seems to be doing nothing. He's doing something. Man, we're in a series called Lessons on the Lake. And uh, have you ever wanted to have a face-to-face conversation with Jesus? To, to, To sit in on one of those moments where Jesus was just not not the multitudes, not the not the crowds that followed, not even the 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 broader sense of the followers of Jesus, but to sit in those moments when it was just Jesus and the twelve apostles, and and listen to the ultimate teacher teach. Wouldn't that have been something? And a lot of those lessons that we find ourselves in actually float out of a boat, something like that, in the middle of a lake that looked a lot like that. You know how I know that? It's because most lakes look exactly the same. Water's water. And so, that's where this, this series it really comes from, is to let's sit and listen to some of the things that Jesus wanted his 12 to know. He didn't teach it to... He didn't teach this to um, the crowds. He didn't teach this to the the multitudes. He taught it to the twelve. And so today we're looking at a section of scripture. It's found in Matthew chapter sixteen, and but we're going to start in Mark chapter eight. It's actually one narrative, but Mark gives a little bit. Matthew does too. We're going to get into that later. But in in this in this series last week we hit on this idea of God's intentionality with our purpose and how repentance plays a role in walking out what God has for us, right? So Peter got down and he repented before God and and how Jesus, he showed Peter what he thought he wanted to show Peter what he really needed. And so with that said, today we're going to we're going to hit on something have you guys ever been in a conversation and there is just, you thought you were talking about the same thing and you weren't talking about the same thing, right? So the conversation goes on for a while and, and then, then it takes a turn and you're like, where did that come from? But you thought you were talking about this. This happens to me all the time with Amy and like, for an example, Amy can be talking about, she's like, so 
she, she's making this cookbook, FYI, and, it, and, and she's, she has this, um, Ashley, actually, Ashley Herzog, Pastor Ben's wife, um, actually kind of inspired Amy, and they've been working together, doing a great job working on this cookbook, because Amy started this business of, of being a health coach, and she's a certified health coach, and she's awesome, and God's been blessing this, and one of the things she wants to give her clients is some, like, 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 like a little cookbook that she could send in PDF form, and it's healthy choices to, to help lose weight, that, that balance, she'd be really proud of me, that balance carbs, fats, and proteins. Yes. And so, and so she's, she's been working on this. And so over the la- course of the last month or month and a half, they've been assembling this thing, and it looks really good. It's awesome. And she's, she, she's been taking pictures of food, which I've been making fun of her nonstop. I'm like, you're such like a <laughs> teenage girl, man. But uh, I know it's, it's, for, it's for her cookbook, but I, just, I, I never want to miss a good opportunity to poke fun at my wife because I love her. It's one of my love languages, honestly. And, but she's been doing this, and so she'll be, she'll be saying, Brian, I was thinking about doing like a healthy version of fried chicken. I'm like, yes. Like, let's go. And she's like, I was thinking like sauteing like broccoli on the side. I'm like, okay, yeah, like that sounds amazing. When, when can I sign up? And then she'll be like, so like with, with maybe like a baked sweet potato. And I'm like, Yes, that sounds awesome. Um, when are we going to have this? And she's like, I just got to make sure the lighting's right for this picture I have to take. And I'm like, wait, what? What are you talking about? I'm, am I, 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 I'm talking about dinner. She's like, I'm talking about my cookbook. And I'm like, I'm salivating. <laughs> like, well, there, there was, we were on the same page. Or at least I thought, and then it took a drastic turn. She's she's thinking through her cookbook, and and then she'll say something to the effect of like, "Did you miss that whole first part of that conversation?" And evidently, <laughs> I miss a lot of first parts of conversations. She's like, when I said I'm thinking of recipes for my cookbook, and when she said fried chicken, my head went straight to dinner. You know, you know, like. I'm like, okay, fried chicken's amazing. If you can make it healthy, I guess that makes it more amazing. I don't know. So, like, but, but that's really what we're stepping into in this section of Scripture. And so we're going to read a section out of Mark real quick, and then we're going to jump into the boat with Jesus. It says, when the Pharisees heard that Jesus arrived, they came and started to argue with him. That's always fun. When right out the gate, um, when right out the gate, people just show up to argue with you. Um, testing him, they demanded that he show them a miraculous sign from heaven to prove his authority. That's really ironic, and we're going to get into that later. When he heard this, he sighed deeply in his spirit and said, See, Jesus knew how to sigh in his spirit. When people aggravate me, and come at me like that, I just sigh out loud in front of them. <laughs> like, like, oh, they are idiots. Oh, I didn't mean to say that. God, forgive me. Did you hear that? You know, like, I'm just joking. I would, like, Jesus, it says he sighed in his spirit. Like, he was, he was crushed at this because he's here to save them. 
and yet they're not understanding. And it actually, like, when you sigh in your spirit, that's like, oh, it hurts him. It hurts him. And why do these people keep demanding a miraculous sign? I tell you the truth. I will not give this generation any such sign. So, he got back in the boat and left them, and he crossed to the other side of the lake. Some of us need to take a lesson from Jesus right now. I don't know who needs to hear this, but we need to learn how to just get back in the boat and walk away. There are people in your life that have been aggravating you and coming at you, and you've been retaliating to them. Like, these people show, showed up to test Jesus. Jesus recognized that. And, he's, and he didn't even address them. He made a statement, said, peace, dropped the mic, walked off. Some of us need to learn how to drop the mic and walk off. So we're going to jump into Matthew 16, 5 through 12. Later, so this is, this is like literally he got into the boat and walked away. I want you to understand that. He got into the boat and walked away. So he got into the boat, or he walked away and got into the boat. This is as they're crossing, okay? This is literally immediately following this conversation with the Sadducees and Pharisees and the teacher of religious law. Later, after they crossed to the other side of the lake, the disciples discovered they had forgotten to bring any bread. Watch out, Jesus warned them. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Mark's gospel actually says, and of Herod. At this, they begin to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. So, Jesus says this. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and of Herod. And the disciples instantly start thinking, food. I can relate. It's almost like Jesus could say, did you not hear the first part of that conversation? Did you, did you, not, did you not just hear everything that just went down? And, and then, th this is a doubly like, ironic statement, because what happened earlier that day, or, or maybe the day before, Jesus fed 4,000 people. So they're worried about not having enough bread, but what did he feed the 4,000 men with? And it could have been a lot more people there. Seven loaves of bread and some fish. So they're worried about not having enough bread, and yet Jesus just fed multitudes upon multitudes with seven loaves of bread. Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, you have so little faith, exclamation point. Why are you arguing with each other about having no bread? Don't you understand even yet? Don't you remember the 5,000 I fed with five loaves and the baskets of leftovers you picked up? That was 5,000 men, FYI, and we know there was women and children there. So scholars believe that miracle right there might have been the greatest miracle of Jesus' ministry apart from the resurrection because they believe that fifteen to 20,000 people might have been fed at the 5,000. Over 4,000 I fed with seven loaves and large baskets of leftovers you picked up. 
Why can't you understand? Why can't you understand that I'm not talking about bread? So again, I say, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Then at last, they understood that he wasn't speaking about yeast and bread, but about the deceptive teachings of the Pharisees and Sadducees. So, we step into this conversation. Jesus, these religious people show up wanting and demanding a sign from Jesus to prove his authority. And literally, just the day before this, Jesus fed 4,000 people. 4,000 people with seven loaves of bread. And these people are saying, right now, God, or Jesus, they want to say he's God, you show us a sign to show us the authority you have to do miracles. They already knew that he could do miracles. They might have even been a part of that crowd. They already knew that, but they wanted a sign. They wanted a miracle to prove his miracles. It, it, it doesn't make sense. And so you can see Jesus' frustration here because, and you can see probably why he was grieved in his spirit because he, he wanted them to understand and they're not getting it. So we step back into this conversation with the disciples and no doubt Jesus might have been cooling off. He might have had some time to process this idiocracy that just came at him. And he's seen the trap that lies in following the practices of Sadducees, Pharisees, and of Herod. And he gives them a warning. He says, beware. So I have a couple thoughts for you today. And I, I, want, I want us to chew on it this week. I want us to think through. But um, God... God, the first thought I want to give you is Jesus warns to illuminate traps, not condemn his followers. If Jesus is putting a warning in your spirit, if Jesus is warning you about something, maybe maybe it's a teaching you're hearing, or, or maybe it's not to condemn you, it's to help you. And Jesus here is warning his disciples about something that plagues most of us. I would call it religion. A religious spirit. Some might argue um, legalism. It's, and, and what I mean, and so let me define this. Obviously, Christianity is technically a religion. But all other re- world religions on the earth is us working to get to man. The base of religion is to work to get to God. Work, and I can be good enough. But Christianity, I would almost argue, is not really a religion. It's a relationship. It's God came to us so that we can have a relationship with him. And so legalism says, at the, at the root of religion and legalism, it says, God 
Jesus, your cross was great, your resurrection was great, but I need to add something to it to help me get saved. And that, that's, it's works-based. I'm, I'm going to work, 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 work. And so Jesus is saying, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees. And, and the thing is, it seems so practical. The legalism and, and religion seems so practical to implement in our life. And, 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 and they're just... Like, and what's crazy is it, it, you can start off without it being legalistic and like, hey, I'm just going to read my Bible every morning. I'm going to read my Bible every morning. I'm going to read my Bible every morning. And you do that out of, out of honestly to grow your relationship with God, which you should, whether you be, do it in the morning or whatever. But like when you start reading your Bible, you, you do it out, out of like, I want to do this to grow my relationship with God. And it's a tool that, that, that can cultivate a relationship with God. But, but when it crosses over, from I get to and I, I want to to I have to, suddenly it became legalistic. Suddenly, you're like, if you miss a day in your Bible reading, you're like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta do two days tomorrow. I gotta make it up to God. And 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 it seems, but but at first it, it, it seems like, oh, this is really good. I'm gonna implement this in my life, and it's gonna help me um, live better. But then you start messing up. When it comes to legalism and religion, here pretty soon you're under a weight that you can't carry. Man, I missed a week in my Bible writing. It was five minutes a day, and I'm up to 20 minutes a day to make up for all the time. You know, oh, I didn't, I didn't, oh, I didn't, I didn't spend my, my normal 30 minutes in prayer, so I got to spend an hour in prayer tomorrow. You know, like, whenever the, 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 the tools of discipleship, the tools that we use to cultivate a relationship with God become the rules. Suddenly, it's no longer discipleship. No, suddenly, it's no longer a relationship. It's a religion. And, and, and Jesus is getting that. He, he's getting at that. He's saying, listen, guys. You need to beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, Sadducees, and of Herod. Because it's really seductive at first. But if you if you fall into it, it will, it, it will kill you. Like, maybe not spiritually, but maybe not physically, but spiritually. And then what did they do? I love this because the very thing the disciples started to do is the very thing that Jesus is talking about. They're saying, oh, crud. We forgot bread and then they started, in their mind, they started to work to figure out how they could fix the problem they were in. You get what I'm saying? Jesus could have literally said, point proven. They proved the point. Beware the yeast of the Pharisees, or the Pharisees and the Sadducees and of Herod. And they turn around and step right into legalism, right into religion. By trying to work to fix it. It's a dangerous trap. It's a really dangerous trap. Because they're hearing, they're hearing yeast. And instead of grabbing hold, and, and, and that's the thing. Religion will twist the words of God to make them about us. And what we can do. Another thing religion does is religion makes this relationship with God all about what God does for us. Or it makes 
God work for us? And that's not, that's not a relationship. So the, the Sadducees, Pharisees show up. And what's the first thing these religious leaders do? Jesus, jump. First of all, he's God. Second of all, he's not tame. We don't dictate to God anything. Not once, not now, not ever. We are in a loving relationship with a father who is infatuated with us. But we don't dictate a single thing to him. And religion shows up and says, God, I need you to do this right here, right now, so help me. It makes you throw spiritual tantrums. It makes you think that God is there at your whim. And it, religion literally kills relationship. It literally will kill a relationship, a religious spirit. And that's, I think that's why Jesus sighed so deeply in his spirit. Because he's like, these people don't even know our father. He's hurt because they think God is about them. Know who God's about? God. We're here for his glory. And his glory alone. We exist to glorify his name. Well, this goes against everything. I've been taught, Pastor Ryan, like, what about, like, are we not supposed to pray? Are we not supposed to ask for things? No, no, we are. But we, we don't ask because we're dictating to God. We ask because he's our father. And, and, and when God does what we ask him to do, it's because he loves us, not because we asked him. When, when my kids ask me for something, I don't do it because they asked me for something. I do it because I love them. And also, when my kids ask me for something, sometimes I say no. Why? Because I love them. Religion makes you think that God's going to jump every time you say jump. And it kills relationship. And Jesus is saying, be aware. Like, don't fall. I'm warning you. It's seductive. It looks good. It, it looks real pious. It puffs up. But I'm telling you, it kills relationship. Like, the reason why I tell my kids no is, guess what? I can see, I have a, I have a broad sense of, of, of their life. So when, when Peyton asks to eat candy for dinner, I say no. Because I want him to be healthy. He's thinking about the moment right here. And I'm thinking about down the road. And, and, and so when God, when we ask God, he loves us so much. He loves us enough to say yes. He loves us enough to say no. But that's what religion does. Religion makes us think it's all about us. Religion makes us think that God is working for us. The disciples instantly fall into the very trap that Jesus is warning them. He said, yeast. He said, yeast. Oh, I forgot, I forgot the bread. Did you forget? The, Peter, did you bring the bread? No, I didn't bring the bread. Um, Bartholomew, what about you? Um, 
you're never mentioned any time, whatever. So, like, everyone's arguing, and they're like, we got we to gotta fix this. We got to get bread. We got to work. We got to work to show ourselves approved by God. Jesus is on to us. He's going to crack the whip as soon as he finds out that we don't have any bread. And Jesus is like, you of little faith. It's not about bread. It's about what you're doing. Quit working. Quit trying to figure this out. Paul, Paul is hitting on the same, the same string. He's warning against legalism and religion. And he, and he hits this in Colossians chapter 2, 20 and 23. I'm going to read it. This is out of the message. But he says, so then if Christ, if with Christ you put all that puffed up and childish religion behind you, why do you let yourselves be bullied by it? I know you guys, like I have. You grow up in a church and I remember there was a time in my life, like even at CBC, when I was in Bible college, this is in 2010, there was so much religion. Wearing slacks, like we could not wear pants with holes in them. Like I don't buy pants with holes in them, not because I hate them, it's because I put enough holes in my own pants that I don't need to buy them pre-holed. Um, I, I do it all on my own. But, like, we think, like, God cares about that. Oh, somehow that makes us more holy. We couldn't wear shorts to class. Like, dude, then fix the air conditioner in the dorms. You know, like, seriously. Like, puff up. Like, well, I mean, we want to look our best, put on our Sunday best. Where is that in the Bible? Well, someone's going to pull out a scripture out of context and be like, it's right here. It's probably right next to um, godliness is next to cleanliness. That's not in the Bible. But it bullies us. You miss... Man, you wake up late, and you have a bad morning. You sleep through your alarm, and then you don't read the Bible, and then suddenly you feel condemned. That's religion. That's, that's not relationship. God doesn't condemn you. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But you're like, oh, I miss. Oh, and then you feel like you have to make it up to God. That's, called, that's literally being bullied by religion. He said, don't touch this. Don't taste that. Don't go near this. Do you think these things are here today and gone tomorrow are worth that kind of attention? What should, be, what should, he's saying, what, what should we focus on? You know, I grew up in churches that we would fight over pews and car, color of carpet. Seriously. When, when our neighbors don't know Jesus, we're going to fight about crap like that? That's, that is what God is warning us. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. That religious spirit that puffs up 
and it looks good for a season. It makes us look holy to the, oh man, they're so good. I remember growing up in church, seeing people operate and you would think that they're super holy and yet, man, they're beating their kids at home. You know what I'm getting at? Like, religion puffs up and he says, such things sound impressive if said in a deep enough voice. They even give the illusion of being pious and humble and austere. But (laughs) they're just another way of showing off, making yourselves look important. Jesus, he's getting getting at something. He's like, there's not room for this in the kingdom. The very thing that you're doing right now, why can't you understand it's not about yeast? It's not about religion. It's not about legalism. It's not about the color or whatever. It's not about... It's about preaching the gospel. It's about showing love to your neighbor. He said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And somehow we flipped it. Let's look good and forget our neighbor. Let's look holy And forget, (laughs) it puffs up. And he said, beware. Don't do this. Don't fall for this trap in the the disciples because religion is working, working, working. I got to work. I got to work. I got to look good. I got to look good. And the the disciples, they're they're jumping in right right at the beginning. And um, beware of the yeast. And and it says, and they begin to argue with each other because they have forgotten to to. to bring any bread. They're like, crud. <laughs> How can I fix this? The problem the disciples were facing was a religious one. Jesus is talking about legalism and religion and putting it in terms that they can understand. Yeast. If you guys ever made bread... Yeast, a little bit goes a long way. Like, like when you make those loaves of bread, how much yeast do you use? Like, it's like a tablespoon, but it makes a huge loaf of bread. It makes that stinking dough rise and rise and rise and rise, and it multiplies. It grows, and it grows. That's the problem with yeast. It's alive, isn't it? And, and, it, and it grows. It starts feeding off of all the sugars and everything like that, and it starts eating and eating, and, and, and you can't get bread without it. And the only way to kill the yeast, really, is to bake it, and it stops kind of the growth. But it just keeps eating. I mean, it's dangerous. And so Jesus is trying to give them an example that, like, hey, this is serious. They're trying to work. They're trying to work. They were doing the very thing Jesus warned them against. Jesus could have said, point proven. And walked off. And they could have been like, what? But knowing the disciples and knowing us, that light bulb would have went off like two years later. Bing! I get it now. But don't think for a moment this is exclusive to them. We do it too. What does the yeast of the Pharisees look like today? Are you ready for this? Whether you're ready or not, here we go. 
We mess up. We forget the bread. We miss the mark. We sin. What do we do? God, let me make this up to you. We had that mindset. God, let me make this up to you. Lord, I, I, I know I fell into temptation right here. Lord, I, I, will, read, I will read double the scriptures. I, I, I'm, I'm so sorry. Lord, I, I, I'll, leave, I'll listen to nothing but Christian music for the next two hours. Like, asking a whole day is crazy, you know, like, that's the thing with religion, though, but we, we, we can't hold up to the standard that we put ourselves under. We, we can't. You know, like, God, I'll, 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 I'll do this for seven days, and we get like three days into it, and you're like, okay, God, can this be a cheat day? You know, like, but that's what we do. We try to make it up to God. I'll give more an offering. I'll listen to nothing but worship. I'll go to church. I'll pray for my neighbor. I'll, I'll make this up to you, Lord. And none of those things are bad. If you want to give more an offering, praise God. Please do. If you want to listen to nothing but worship music, man, there's so many good, great worship bands out there. I'll, I'll give you a list of my favorite songs. If, if, you, if you want to read the Bible more, please do. If, if, you, if you're feeling, but don't do it out of obligation. Don't do it because you're trying to make it up to God. Do it because you sincerely want to know your Father. Do it because this is, like, God loves me so much, and because of that great love, I, I just want to do good works. I, I, I just, I, I want to, I, for some reason, I feel like I need to give more to missions this month. Or for some reason, I, I just feel like I need to pray for my neighbor more this month. Not, not because, oh, pastor preached a message, well, we better start, you know, whatever. No, it's like, I want to do this because God is in me, and he loves me, and I, and I love him. But once again, religion kills relationship. What else does the yeast of the Pharisees look like today? It looks like finding common ground with God in our prayer lives. What does that look like? God, if you do this, I'll do this. That's religion. That's legalism. And that's wrong. God, if you do, if we make deals with God, like he's an entrepreneur, CEO, like he's an ATM, I'll put the, my card in and I'll get this out. That's religion. That's legalism. That's the yeast of the Pharisees. God is our Father. And he loves us. He loves us. This, what Jesus is warning, he's saying, this will kill your relationship with Almighty God. Because somehow you'll think that you and me did something together. Somehow you'll think that you attributed. God does good things in his followers' lives because he loves us. I do, I, the other day, we were at Walmart walking through and... They have these little dollar dinosaurs, and Peyton probably has all of them twice. But we were walking through, and um, whenever we're in Walmart, I take the kids to the toy section because I want to look at toys. 
and they just want to follow me because <laughs> Amy's grocery shopping, and I don't want to see the healthy stuff she's putting in the. It's best that I just experience it on the cooked in than the buying in because I'm like, do we really need that much broccoli when there's bacon? There's a whole section of bacon. I'm like, like you, you realize that, and that's why she's like, just go look at toys with the kids. I know that's where you want to be anyways. And so, but we're walking through, and, and he looks up at me, and he sees a dinosaur he doesn't have, and he says, Daddy, can I please have this? And I looked at him, and I don't get my kids something every time we go into Walmart because I'm not always with them. Um, sometimes Amy's there, and she says no. And, uh, but I looked at him, I said, absolutely, you can get it. It's not because he earned it. It's not because he worked for it. In fact, we even told him, but we're probably not going to get a toy today because we're literally here to look at something. And he just asked and I'm his dad and I love him and I wanted to say yes. And, and, and that's the thing. There are times when he shows up and he says, Dad, I want this. Uh, and I have to say no. Like, leading, his birthday was a couple weeks ago. And he's like, Dad, I want this. I'm like, no, your birthday's next week. And he has no concept of time. He's like, a week could be a year to him. He's like, so? Why can't I get this now? But, like, I see further. And I have a relationship with him. And he doesn't, he, he doesn't ask out of earning. I didn't earn this. It's... A relationship. Sometimes I do say no. Because I can see around the corner. I don't let my kids run through a parking lot. Like, he'll, he doesn't want to hold my hand walking through a parking lot. But I make him hold my hand. I'll, and I'll ask. I'm like, son, do you want to hold? No. I'm like, no, you're holding my hand. I don't want to hold your hand. Like, you're holding my hand. Why? Well, I'm tall enough to see oncoming cars. And... I'm tall enough that oncoming cars can see me. I can see around corners in a parking lot. He can't. And God can see around things that we can't. And and whenever we operate in religion, we think that it's all about God to us. It's all about what God can do for us. And then when God says no, religion and legalism doesn't know what to do with that. But when you have a relationship and you understand that our Father loves us beyond all means, that our Father is madly in love with us, then suddenly, suddenly, you understand that when God says no, it's for my good. When God says not yet, it's, it's for me. Because he loves me. And the second thought I want to leave, leave you, I'm, I'm going to hit on this real fast. But Jesus rebukes to align our hearts with God's. He rebuked his disciples because they were doing the very thing he was warning against. He says, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Because religion doesn't operate in faith. Religion is, I'm going to put this equation in and I'm going to get these results. Faith is, I trust God to bring the results. And he says, where's your faith? And how did, what, what did he do? Like, what did Jesus do to quench that religious spirit, that legalistic spirit in his followers? What did, how did he do it? He said, do you not remember God's faithfulness? 
He didn't say it in those words. He said, you remember when I fed the 5,000 with just five loaves and two fish, the snackable from that kid you guys beat up. Remember that? They didn't beat him up. Well, actually, we don't know that. Peter was a wild card. That's the message translation. Do you remember all the leftovers you had? 12 basketfuls when you were tired and you were hungry. Do you remember when I fed the 4,000 men with just seven loaves and a couple fish and all the seven large basketfuls that you had left over? Here's, Here's the truth. We can't marvel at God's faithfulness to us and stand in in a pious religious spirit at the same time. God's faithfulness to us is humbling to gaze upon. I'm going to read this again because that's a lot of words and I want us to grab it. Because I feel like we all myself included we can we can lean on the side of religious we can lean on the side of piousness we can lean on the side of trying to do things to look impressive we can lean on the side of playing with the yeast of the pharisees and sadducees and how did god quench it he reminded them of god's faithfulness we can't marvel at God's faithfulness to us and stand in a pious religious spirit at the same time. You can't do it because the thing is with God's faithfulness, it has nothing to do with you. It's like anti-legalism. It's like, just like anti-acid kills acid, this is anti-legalism. If if, if you want to take an anti-legalistic pill, remember God's faithfulness. Because God's faithfulness is not based on your good works. God's faithfulness isn't based on whether you read your Bible for a year straight or two years straight or prayed every day. God's faithfulness isn't isn't, um, contingent on whether you haven't sinned in a, a, a minute or two years. God's faithfulness isn't contingent on how many times... You, you prayed for your neighbor or shared the gospel. God's faithfulness isn't contingent on how many times you sin. God's faithfulness isn't contingent on whether you've been faithful to him or your wife or your kids. God's faithfulness isn't contingent on a single thing that we do because God is faithful, period. He's faithful to you whether we are faithful to him or not. And you can't stand in a religious spirit and say God is faithful because it's anti-religious it's anti-legalistic it's anti-everything that man tries to get to God it doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense to religion because religion says work hard, get to God Islam, blow yourself up get this, Hindu Man, if I live a good enough life, I'm going to reincarnate and it's a better self. You know, uh, I'm going to offset my, my, my karmic debt. All of the religions is us working to get to God. 
But Christianity illuminates, it lights up the faithfulness of God to get to us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, Christ died. While we were still enemies with God. First John says, when you sin, God is faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I, I honestly, I think that, that today there are people here that just need to look back at the faithfulness of God in their life. You need to look back because there are situations you find yourself in and you're trying to work your way out and, and you're, you're having a miscommunication with Jesus. You heard Jesus say something, you're like the disciples, oh crud, I forgot, I forgot the bread. And Jesus isn't talking about the bread. He's just giving you a simple warning. And, 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 and religion condemns. What did the, the, the disciples felt condemned? Because they were being religious. But Jesus was, was in love saying, don't do this. And, 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 and today Jesus in love is saying, don't do this. Some of us are going through some hard situations and you're trying to figure out, how can I work out of this? How can I get out of this? And, and, and it's not about what you can do. I think what we need to do is what Jesus told them to do. So let's look at the grand course of your life and remember the faithfulness of God. When God showed up, here's the thing with faithfulness. When God shows up, he shows up and does what only God can do. What did Jesus highlight? Two things that only God can do. He fed thousands of people with lunch. With lunch. Imagine ordering a, a, a burrito at Poncho's and feeding half of Columbia with it. That's what Jesus did with leftovers. He's like, hey, I need 12 of those styrofoam weird things. Because God, when God shows up, no one can take credit for it. No one can get glory for it. No one can say, this is because I was faithful. It's because God was faithful. And, and I honestly, if, there, if you're here today and you need a relationship with Jesus, Jesus Christ came, he came to earth. God Almighty humbled himself to become man, to live a life that we can never live a sinless life and then he died our death that we deserve on a cross for us the Bible says in 1 Corinthians God made him who knew no sin to become sin that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ and then God raised him back to life on the third day so that we can have a relationship with the Father and all he requires of us it's not work it's not I have to go you know, do a hundred handstands or say a thousand Hail Marys or whatever. It's not that. It's Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. That you died on the cross for my sin, that you raised to dead. Forgive me and come be Lord of my life. That's all. You just believe that. And then God works it out. He starts working on you. He starts changing your desires because the Bible teaches that God comes into us. He meets us. And if you're here today and you need a relationship with Jesus, I'm going to be right up here. 
and I want to introduce you to Jesus. Maybe you're here today and you're just like, I just need to, I just need to take a gaze at the faithfulness of God. I think that's where a lot of us are. It's easy to forget about God's faithfulness when we're going through trial. It's when, 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 when we are leaning towards that yeast of the Pharisees, that religious spirit, and God's saying, no, 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 I need you to take an anti-legalism pill today. And it's called the faithfulness of God. And what we're going to do, and how do we do that? One of the ways we do that is worshiping. And one of the ways we do that is just with, with arms raised and surrender, say, God, I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to remember every time you came through. Some of us shouldn't be alive today, but for the faithfulness of God. Some of us... Some of us shouldn't be married, but not for the faithfulness of God. You know what I'm saying? Some, you know what? Like Some of our kids are alive because of the faithfulness of God. And I, I want us to just, as Pastor Ben leads, I want us just to stand. Let's stand. It's easier to move and respond when we're standing. And... Let's remember the faithfulness. Let's worship God. If you, if you need a relationship with Jesus or you need prayer, rededicate your life. I'm going to be up here to pray with you. But as Pastor Ben's leading, let's respond. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my Savior on the cursed tree his body Drenched in tears, they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone, Messiah still. For it. 
with us more than what we could ever know. God, I pray right now over your church. God, I pray that you would just bless them this week. God, that you would begin to to answer things that they've been praying for. God, that you will give them good health. Lord, that you will provide for them. God, we pray these things in Jesus' name, Lord. We know that you are a good God. And Lord, I pray that they would experience your goodness this week. God, we thank you for who you are, Lord. We thank you for your word, for the challenge of your word, that it's not about us, but it's always going to be about you. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to help us grow as we step outside of these four walls and into our lives, Lord, that you would be there more than ever and we would experience your love and grace more than ever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys have a great week.